Welcome to the Vine Church TC Community Podcast. This is Jamie Jones, your host, and I am so excited to share with you conversations with people right here in our very own community. I hope this brings us all closer together and reaffirms to each listener that you belong. It's been a while since we've had a new episode on our community podcast, so I am so excited to share this conversation with you all. I hope you enjoy it. I'm speaking with Teresa Rosendahl of the Family Learning Center. She works with the uh, refugee and immigrant community here in the Tri-Cities, and it was really amazing to learn about all the work that they're doing, and then we had an opportunity to bring some of our produce from our community garden to one event that they were participating in and share a a bunch of vegetables with uh, a lot of the families. And it was, it was a great experience to meet a few people from all over the world. And so I look forward to, and hope that we have some more experiences like that and we can start building relationships Uh, with and partnerships with the Family Learning Center. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Teresa. I'm very happy to have you on this podcast and to interview you and find out more about the Family Learning Center. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what role Mm -hmm. you play in the Family Learning Center. Sure. So, um, so my name is Teresa Rosendahl, and I, um, so I've lived in the Tri-Cities for 23 years with my family, um, 23 years this fall, I guess. We moved here just before my youngest child was born, so I guess maybe it'll be 24 years, because eh, time flies. <laughs> it does. So anyway, um, so we basically raised our kids, our four kids here. And we've lived here for a long time. And early, um, I have a degree in education and recently completed a master's from Fuller in Global Leadership. And um, that came... Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. That came about because of the work that I'm doing. Um, So for the Family Learning Center, I guess... Um, some of your other questions, maybe we'll get deep, deep, dive deeper into this, but um, it was, you know, I was a homeschool mom when we moved here and my kids were young. In about 2004, I went to a uh, missions conference at, um, at Bethel and because a friend told me, oh, this woman is speaking. She's a friend of mine. You need to come and hear her. It was one of those times in your life, in my life, um, there aren't, haven't been that many, (laughs) but it was, you know, hearing this woman speak, you felt like God was talking directly to you. And she said, um, you know, she was talking about um, thinking global, but acting local. I'd never heard that phrase before. I think it's pretty common now in lots of places because we do live in a global world but but that resonated with me because I love um, I love thinking about people and cultures in different places in the world and I was and then she said if you're a homeschooler you should go down and volunteer with world relief because that's a great way to introduce your kids to different cultures and I'm like well that's who I am so I did and um, and that kind of ha- is where um, just that 
that path is what God set me on to um, the role that I play with the Family Learning Center and really to the creation of it. And so today I'm, I guess you'd call me the executive director, but it's sort of like the, um, uh, I can't remember, someone had different words for that ED, which is sort of like do everything or something, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it does everything really. So, so it's not really, it doesn't feel executive. It feels like, but I, I do direct the ministry and I do a lot of the work of the ministry. So that's, and I guess uh, just to throw that in there right at the outset. So we are an outreach ministry to, um, I guess I wouldn't say out, at outreach ministry. I said, I would, I call us an apartment-based ministry, serving the refugee community and the new arrival refugee community in the, in the area where they live and with the mission to um, empower refugees, immigrants, and their families so that with through education and advocacy so they can thrive in their new home. So that's our mission. We'll just put that right out there. Yes, <laughs> that was going to be my next question. So thank you. Yeah. That is amazing. So I would love to hear about the history. So you mentioned yeah. uh, being a part of kind of starting this. So can you mm. tell me more about the history yeah. of the Family Learning Center? Yeah, so that just kind of continues the story, right? So I was the, um, I was volunteering with the family, and then I, I, I did take a little bit of a break just because, um, you know, you go all in to work with a family and you learn their community, and then that kind of becomes... Well, there was times when my kids are like, we can't ever go anywhere without those other kids. So, you know, you kind of have to concentrate on your own for a little bit to make sure that they know they're loved. And um, But then in um, 2008, um, I agreed to mentor a new family. So World Relief volunteer coordinators like, well, I got this new family. I said, I'm, I'm ready for a new family. Finally, you know, they're always, they were always asking and I'm like, no, no, not ready. Not ready. And in 2008, I said yes to a new family. And she said, well, we have a new family that's coming. They're refugees from um, Burma or, the, or the, I don't remember if she said they were living in Thailand or they're from Burma. And that really kind of, kind of struck a chord with me because a man from my church had been going to Burma not to Burma, to the refugee camps in Thailand for years mm -hmm. to minister to the Korean people. And he would come back and say, hey, pray for the Korean people. They are Christians. They are being persecuted in Burma. And they're kind of stuck in these refugee camps. Um, so um, they were stuck there because the United States had, had um, whatever, considered them to be terrorists <laughs> until finally they, they had that. I mean, be, only because they had that designation because they were organized in fighting back against their um, the oppressor, the Burmese government, which was trying to wipe them out. So um, in time, that designation got changed and they got approved for resettlement. And so they, the Korean people, the, so it turned out then that the first Korean family to come to Kennewick was that family that I mentored. And that's always a concern to World Relief. You know, are they going to stay? Are they going to find communities so that they'll put roots and stay here? Or are they going to move on? Because all of them, they have some connections to other places in the country. Mm -hmm. So I said yes to that family. And, you know, my church was just like, 
loving this because they came with a nine-month-old baby. And the Karen people are quiet, gentle people. So they're easy to embrace and love. And they're Christians. So so in that, and then of course we had that kind of connectedness. We knew a little, you know, we had heard about Karen before. Most people are like, what? Karen? What are you talking about? You know, and mm-hmm. um so so we became the the church home to these Karen people. And, and in the, I don't know, next year and a half, I would say maybe 50% of resettlement in this area was, was people from Burma, mostly being Karen people. Um, There were some other, you know, other tribal people that came too, but um, a lot of Karen. And so they just found their place in our worshiping body until, um, well, they just had their 20th anniversary. So I guess it was in 2012. And then they became, they started their own church within our church. And then it kind of, you know, we're friends, but we're not, we don't worship together in the same way anymore. Some of their kids worship at our church, but not um, when they come to help us with our music. But so all that to say, you know, it was really, when you, when I paused and stepped back and looked at things. It was like, you could really see, again, could see the hand of God. And I tell people, I've never been involved in something where I really felt pulled by God to this. And and you can see that, that what you're doing and you're saying, yes, you're doing these things and you're thinking you're, you're doing these great things, but really it's, it's, it's this cosmic thing thing a great greater a bigger thing that's happening that God was looking out for these people and he was preparing a place for them in our congregation to love them and to to help them on their way so that was it, it's just a beautiful when you step back and think I'm like oh wow that's really cool <laughs> yeah. um so then and so as as they came we were ministering to these people and we were driving down into the apartment complex where they live we were driving them to church i mean there were there were sundays we were a small congregation and there were sundays that i was arranging rides i was trying to find seats for 50 people to get to church on sunday and and they probably almost outnumbered us yeah. uh, there were times well they didn't outnumber but close so um so we got some um, grant money from our denomination, and it, it was um, through a, a thing where we, you know, we kind of came very open-handedly. We had to apply for it, but we get $7,500, and they kind of said, go out and make a difference. And it wasn't very, you know, you didn't have to report, you didn't have to. So um, we're sitting around a table, and, you know, I read the wrong books. I said, well, we could do this for them. We could do this. We could give them this. I said, no, 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 we're going to rent an apartment. So that's what we did. And, and I had the idea, but it was, a, it was that same man who had gone to visit the Quran all those times. He came back a week later and he said, okay, here's your keys. And I'm like, what? You did it? You know? Oh, that's awesome. And, um, so, yeah. So we started in a one bedroom and then um, we've moved up till today. Um, we have, we work in um, two ad- adjacent um, apartments that, that that our landlord cut a door in between, so we can go right between the two apartments. But um, yeah, so that's where we work. And um, well, that um, is so yeah. awesome. So you, so it kind of uh, it started in your church. What was what's the name of your church? Uh, Family of Faith Church. Yeah. Family of Faith it's Church. A, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's it kind part of, of the Christian Reformed Church of, of North America. 
Okay. It's Christian report. Yeah. Uh huh. And so, so it grew from there. And I understand that you have become your own nonprofit. Organization. Right. Right. Yeah, so right? in 2000, you know, it's one of those things again, you know, it, I started doing this and then you can't do it all. I thought I could do it all. I could do it all. <laughs> and then you bring in other people. And then we realized it was something that needed to grow beyond our church. So in 2014, we became a 501c3. And even before that, we had other churches that we had, you know, were getting to work with us. And we would love to have more partners. I can have to say that flat out because, you know, there's, it's costly. And yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. That. I love how it just started small and has mm -hmm. just kind of grown. And uh, I would love to hear. So you mentioned a little bit in your uh, talking about the mission. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to call it uh, FLC. For sure. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's okay. You know what? The people in our community call it B five. The kids oh. do because we are a part. We when we really got known that the teachers would start telling the kids, "Well, you should after school, you should go to the family learning center for help." And the kids are like, "What are you talking about?" They, they when the teachers started saying, "We'll go," it's apartment B five. They knew it already as B five because that was our apartment, and so we're just. The kids call us B5. So okay, yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Okay, so B5. Mm -hmm. So what are the so what would you say are the core values of Yeah, I'm trying to think of that Because <laughs> I saw your questions and I thought, okay, I need to work on that. So we have been and we're trying to do a re reboot of our website right now. And so I we um yeah. So it's a process. Um, <laughs> it is a pro everything is a process That's and you right. just get it done and you're doing it over again. Yeah. So, so I would say, so our core values would, would be dignity um, on realizing that God has created everyone in his image and they, we all have um, to be served with dignity. Honor would be second honoring the, um, the families, the, um, the cultures, even the religions that are part of the people that they come with already. We want to um, serve them with honor mm -hmm. and in honoring what they already have and celebrate what they have. And then respect would be re respecting the role of the family and trying to empower families to be the um, decision makers and for their children and um, yeah, respect for that role. And then mutuality, that we come not only as um, bringers of information and as teachers, but we also are there as learners so that we are all sharing and learning from one another. And top it off, let's just throw in a little bit of, well, we want to tie it all together with love that binds everything together. That's Colossians 3, right? Mm -hmm. So that those would be our core values. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. So can you tell us, tell our listeners about how your organization is serving the Tri-Cities or, or mm -hmm. the refugees in the Tri-Cities and what are the, the community, need, community needs that you're addressing? So when, when these people first come, you know, they, they're pretty marginalized because they're, um, they don't speak the language, they don't know the culture, all those things that are 
very new to them. Not everyone. Eh? You know, the Ukrainians that are coming right now, they have a little bit easier time. But plus, they have a very um, well-entrenched community already of support around them. But we do have some Ukrainians that are uh, that we're um, working with too. But the core of what we do is, um, it, well, you could break it down into three parts. We serve the children through an after-school program and as being advocates for them with the school district and with their teachers, trying to help um, help parents have a voice in the school, but also help the school communicate better to parents and so that parents can get engaged in the school. And then with our after-school program, that's actually, we have a, um, a partnership with, um, as a 21st century program, after-school program with the ESD 123. So it's, it, we, that enables us to have some hired staff Mm-hmm. And we also, um, not that we also have volunteers who come and work in our after-school program, but the hired staff has more of the responsibility for organization. And they also are able to hire some of the young, um, then the high school kids in our community and give them the opportunity for a first job. So that would be the, the children. And then the high school youth or the young adults, We um, we serve with a lot of extra care. Just um, uh, that's been the primary place where I've done a lot of my work and just seeing these, these kids come, you know, between 14 and say between 14 and 20 years old, they're able to, to still go into the high school. Um, the high school at first wasn't, well, it, it takes a little while. They're not always receptive to the older kids because they're not going to be able to graduate but but um but but they've been more recently even just to give them a year of of language development is helpful mm-hmm. but um so in that you know wherever they are on that continuum they're going to get plunked into high school usually those kids don't come with any kind of transcript so they're all going to be ninth graders but if they have no hope of graduating, they'll be 12th graders. The kids don't understand. No, I'm not a ninth grader. I'm an 11th. You know, and it, 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 it's just that structural process that, that they don't understand how our system operates. But, but those kids come in and they don't speak the language. They don't read or write our language usually. And um, it's just hard. And they maybe have missed a few years of school. And so they're not, you know. So right away, when you're in high school, you're trying to gain credit so you can graduate. And then they're dealing with all those same adolescent things that our kids deal with. And and, and then there's also quite soon, there's that, um, that conflict with the, the kids gain the language and the parents don't. And, and so there's kind of an almost an upside down relationship with their parents sometimes and um so there's a lot of opportunity for um uh, stress and for um just you know how are you how are you going to figure out life and and of course right as soon as you're in high school they're asking you what's your plan for after high school you know (laughs) these kids are like what i mean i they've never had opportunity to think about the future maybe some of them have but 
So, so it, it's just a really hard, you know, so we, we to do tutoring, we do mentoring, we try to have um, connect them with a one-on-one mentor if possible. We do a lot of soft skill um, tr- workshops and um, right now in the summer, we're probably going to do some um, uh, even helping kids find jobs and, you know, kids want to do uh they want to get a, a license. So there you go. You got to help them with that and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's the second part. Mm-hmm. And then part three would be our adult um, programs, which um, primarily has always been um, language acquisition. And we've had um, people call it ESL or ELA, whatever. And um, we've had, a program that we ran in our center for years that was only always volunteer led. And, um, but recent, more recently we've started a a contract with the state um, where it's still supported by volunteers, but we've also hired a couple of um, staff to teach and we're, we're growing. The need is just, it's huge right now. And um, so we have started holding our classes at the boys and girls club in Kennewick. Monday through Thursday, 8.30 to 11.30 in the summer, 9 to 12, I think, in the, in the school year. But, um, but those, those classes have just erupted. They're, they're big. So, yeah. So that's the bulk of what we do. We do citizenship. We do, we do a program for parents um, ready for kindergarten. It's, a, it's something we do collaboratively with Kennewick School District to help parents be their child's first teacher. Uh, for their preschoolers and so just things like that that can you know always thinking of how are these things going to empower the people that we work with Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. so so just to kind of zoom out and give a a, a Mm -hmm. picture uh because I have walked past b5 (laughs) and I've seen the neighborhood but I don't know that a lot of people listening have a mental picture of what you're talking about when you say mm-hmm. we've rented in a you know two apartments in this complex, but can you just give kind of a uh, more of a bird's eye view looking in because it's such a unique neighborhood. <laughs> it is a unique neighborhood. Thank you and, for noticing that. And there is so many countries represented, and so mm-hmm. many nationalities and, and refugees mm-hmm. from different places mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And and I had. Uh, just a brief experience Mm -hmm. um, going with a friend door to door to a lot of the Afghanistan Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. refugee families. But there were, uh, there was a family from Colombia that we, Mm -hmm. that we talked to. There was um, actually two families, two different ones from Colombia and, and you're talking about from Burma. So I would just love kind of a <laughs> a little overview of what is happening, like where, what's going on? <laughs> where are we? Yeah, and and so, also because I know there's a, you know, initially there was a connection with World Relief, mm-hmm, and I don't know mm-hmm. what that looks like. Right, right. And well, it's then, all it, it's and there's all, Boys and Girls um, Club, and there's some <laughs> education. Uh, you know, Kennewick School District. Yeah. There's so many pieces and and they're all connected yeah Yeah. so yeah so you know people think oh we're just here in this apartment we're waiting for people to show up our door and we're going to help them well we want to be that those people too but we know we can't do everything 
So if you come into, so yeah, to start with a big picture, the neighborhood. Um, so I, I would say, I describe it as that the, maybe it's not even doesn't go to Garfield. Um, Garfield is because there's some um, single unit housing on Garfield. So Jean, but Jean Street has um, multiplexes with with um, habitat homes, right? So um, between that and Olympia, between Tenth um, Avenue and Fourth Avenue, it's high density, low income housing. Probably the most it, it, that would be the low income, you know, area of Kennewick, really, and that. Um, landlord that we you know in in the complex that we live in that we dwell in we work in whatever we I live there half the time (laughs) um it they own like three of the units and they have always been good at renting to the refugee community I I need to sit down with her and ask her about that uh, you know why you know because it's hard to rent to these people partly because they don't have a rental history when they come and so you're taking a little bit of a risk um, and they're not employed they have no employment history either so um but but they are the ones who you know make housing units available to and and world relief so we are not the resettlement agency world relief is the resettlement agency which means that they have the responsibility of of helping set up the first home of helping them register with dshs and get their social security card and all those things that they're entitled to when they come as refugees um that's not our responsibility at all but we are closely tied to World Relief in that they um, they do um, give, you know, they tell families about us and then have them sign a release so that they can share their information with us. And um, during COVID, when World Relief was in, having to build up again because we're having all these Afghan people coming and they were like, still training their caseworkers um then we took on some of the burden took some of the burden from them in helping um, families register for school and um you know get some of the, the stuff that they needed before they could register for school but that's that's not really ours you know it's it's that's just helping because we care about the people and we cared about the burden on world relief at that time they've kind of taken that back so um but yeah the people that are coming and living there are from all over the world if you want to see you know people until you've been in that community and and i can say this for myself even when i started doing this 20 years ago i didn't know all these people different people from all different places in the world lived here and i kind of was aware that there were scientists from many parts of the world because you know, they're working at Hanford. My husband works there. But I had, so my story, my other part of my stories, I had been to visit a brother who lived in Uganda and spent a little time there out in a village where they had some friends. And then when I came back home, I went to Winco because my family was out of groceries, you know, the next day. And I'm like, 
it just like, I just was shocked. There was this woman there who looked, she was Sudanese and she looked like she had just stepped out of the village that I had visited in Uganda. And my eyes were open because I, I might not have noticed her if I hadn't had that other experience. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily notice those things until we're in the right place at the right time. And God opens our eyes. So, um, but yeah, we, there are people from Sudan, you know, um, Somalia, some of my dearest kids and, and friends are Somali, Iraq, um, Syria, Colombia, Venezuela. Um, I'm trying to think of, there's a Honduran family that we're working with in that neighborhood, but from all over and even some Ukrainian families now too. So it's a very diverse community. And um, my, I was just thinking yesterday, my heart's desire is to prayer walk the community at least one morning a week. But right now I'm spending that time in my garden instead. <laughs> so, I, um, so I don't, it's hard to get out the door to go do it. But, but it's, I love walking through our neighborhood because I always see people that I know and, you know, just being able to greet them. And, and, I, and I will say that that is really at the heart of what we want. We want this Tri-Cities community to be a welcoming community. Mm-hmm. And it's not always that way. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it doesn't feel that way. You know, people, when they come here, they might feel immediately those, those, especially those new arrivals might feel that relief that, oh, we got to where we need to go. But very soon, the burden of everything that's new is like it, the resettlement process is traumatic in and of itself. Okay. And so, so to be able to have that, um, you know, and and World Relief can is wonderful, and they can do what they can do, but they can't do it all, and they can't. And so the 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 good thing about being rooted in the community where they live is that we do, I mean, it's good and bad. We do get people who come in and say, I don't understand this. I just, you know, or can you help me? Or even can I make copies of this because I need to, you know, those kind of things are like priceless to be able to, you know, to just begin to build those relationships. And so that, you know, when people have those kind of needs they're like oh we'll go to b5 they'll help me but you know there are times when that becomes burdensome and you can't get your other work done but um but that's what i love about being there you know it's you know you don't have to go to a foreign country to to serve in foreign missions it's right at your door so that is uh, but i just i love the community that we're in yeah so So what are are the challenges or hurdles that, that B5 faces? (laughs) You know, funding is always an issue. And um, right now the government is being somewhat generous with us, (laughs) but that's a COVID thing and it's going to be gone. We know that. So funding is always an issue. And, and the, the, even, I, I shouldn't even bring the government into this, but you know, we, it's hard to provide adequately for our staff. We're not super good at fundraising. So if, um, anyways, you know, I have a, I hired a staff person to work with me last year and she's wonderful. And she's from a a refugee background herself. So that's really good. But, um, but 
you know, every year I'm like, oh, are we going to be able to afford to pay for her? I mean, I can't afford to pay myself. So how do I pay for her? So those are, are that, that's a real, a real need. Mm-hmm. And then, right, right, we can say quite honestly that space is a, a concern. Um, we love being in the apartment and we love being right there but it's hard you know it's well we look at the boys and girls club and we drool (laughs) so um you know so which is partly why we're working with them Mm -hmm. or we're working in their facility we're doing some of our work there with the adults but um you know we have hopes and dreams of other things that we could do for people but we're very limited because of our space and you know i will say we do have a plan for um for taking for resolving that issue but i i'm not at liberty to quite you know say it on your podcast right that's but okay that's look okay. for news in the near future so okay <laughs> and so yeah we'll so funding sure. and space are big things and then volunteers you can but but the hard part with volunteers is we really we really need a volunteer coordinator. So then you need another to fund another position. So that's that those are all just, it's kind of all tied up in a knot. So do you have a a personal story of how being a part of this mission has impacted your life? I mean, it sounds like it's been such a huge part of your life for so long. I'm sure you have so many stories, Uh, but if you could share one of those, I know I would love, and I know the listeners would love to hear that. And also, maybe a little bit more about your why, about why you're doing this and why you're yeah. Well, I guess if I went way back to the why, I've always had a heart for, um, so early in my marriage, my husband and I moved around a lot. Like we started in Seattle, we went to Orlando, we went to Idaho Falls, went to Pittsburgh, you know, we were moving a lot. And I was always excited to move that to that new place because I left the old behind and I could start fresh, but it didn't take long. You know, that whole, the grieving system cycle of just hitting the wall and being so depressed and not knowing where I belonged. Mm-hmm. And so that's always been deep in my heart. You know, how do these, so that's kind of what, what really drove me to this. Well, if I'm, experiencing that when I'm living moving within my own country what are these people especially the women experiencing in when they come here I don't know culturally if all those women feel the same things that I feel because some of them especially from Afghanistan and stuff it's taking a long time to break down any walls of because I think they're so used to this is their life, not have, you know, just my four walls and my children and my husband. And that was never enough for me. I, <laughs> maybe I'm unusual, but I think as women, we need community, right? We need um, connectedness. And so, you know, if, yeah, so that was a thing that kind of drove me to doing this, but that's my why. But I don't know that 
again, like, I don't know that that's going on in every woman's heart that, you know, because, because what I saw in time, I may, I have some dear, dear friends within the refugee community, but I always know that the people within their own people group are, are going to be, because they just wear the same, you know, so you, you, you never take the place of those people. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It, it's taken a while for me to be okay with that. But as far as the, um, how it's impacted my life, you know, I, 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 I hope this is true of everyone, but God uses those thing, things, I, everything in your life to, to mold and shape you into the person who wants you to and, and he uses those things to route out some of your well, sin and sin that's connected to your own prejudices. And I, I, I will say I've been on a, a huge journey of, you know, when we started this, I thought that it was all about, well, it was with the Korean people ha- helping to um, disciple those youth that were going to get disconnected from their culture. Um realizing now that they're not disconnected that you just you you add to their discipling but it's not like it's not happening within their own church community you know it, having that prejudice of as a, a white evangelical <laughs> we can do it better than they can mm-hmm. I don't think that and so so some of those that that God has had to humble me and realize that that it's not about me it's about him Mm-hmm. And even as now, as I work more and more with Muslims in our community, what is, I don't know exactly. I mean, I know some of the things that God's teaching me, like um, that he, he is in charge of salvation, not me. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, I've had to think about, think through, can I work with Muslims? Is that Okay. I can do it with the people who come here, the newcomers, the vulnerable, the the cat, the people who who have no one. But can I work with the people who go to the mosque and have power? And God's telling me, yes, you can, and you have to, yeah. and it's hard. Yeah. It I've had to really, you know, route out some issues within my own heart. Mm-hmm. Would you please share a story of how someone's life has been impacted by FLC or B5? Yeah. So one of our, I, I hate calling them clients. They're not clients because they're just our friends. You know, um, I guess I'll, I'll share the story of one of my um, high school kids. Um, you know, you always want to hear the success stories and, and he's on the road to success. but. Not, you know, I mean, we don't have a lot of kids who've gotten huge, uh, whatever, done great, super great things. But Edward, he came here, I think he started in eighth grade. He's Congolese. And his family was the first family to come here from the Congo. Um, And, you know, he kind of, yeah. He, he had great skills, but he doesn't believe in himself very much. And he was at a very, that age. That yeah, age. that age, that right? Age. Yeah. So, um, but he had a friend who kept, you know, bugging him, you need to come with me. And so they'd come to be five and 
And um, we became friends. We walked through some deep, dark valleys together, which I don't want to talk about on here. But um, but just sticking with it and, you know, learning that he could ask questions and that he could get the help he needed. Um, he was one of our soccer coaches last year, and we just saw him blossom, how he was just you know, the kids just loved him because he'd get in there and be a kid when he needed to be a kid, but he'd also, you know, be that role model, that example. Um, he's off doing a different job this summer, so um, he's not able to coach, but, but um, you know, just watching him go through graduation just, just you know, fills you with pride. It makes you want to cry because... Because he is one of those kids, if he, if he hadn't come under our wing or whatever, he he probably would have made it through, but just yeah, kind of floundering. And, you know, to hear the, the voice that keeps saying, Edward, you could do this. Edward, you could do this. And um, so he's doing well at, at CBC. And, you know, he, he, he still isn't sure what he wants to do. But... Um, He's also making really good money at Panda Express and helping other kids get jobs there. So I'm pretty proud of how he's, you know, not just um, not it's not just making a difference for him personally, but he's using that to help other people. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I think is what we all want to see that I think that's a high measure of success. It's not all about me. It's what I can how I can I help others through what you know, I've been provided. So he's helped a lot of friends get jobs at Panda. So that's a good thing. And, you know, I mean, this was a kid who would would have been skipping school a lot if he didn't have, you know, people saying, hey, I checked your record. Why are you not, you know, making it to school today? And what's, what's up? What's happening? And so, um, that support. Yeah. Yeah. That made a big difference in his life. Wow. Beautiful. So what are some ways that people can support what you guys are doing? Well, we're a nonprofit. So of course we, (laughs) every nonprofit needs money, right? We're always looking for financial supporters. Um, People can make donations through our website rather easily, Mm -hmm. or we take checks in the mail that works. Volunteer um, and volunteering, you know, so I have one lady, she comes and she volunteers every day. We don't ask people to do that. We'd love to have you, you know, set up to be a, a one-on-one with one kid once a week or twice a week. Twice a week would be better than once a week, really. Um, we, if we, you know, those kind of matches we do, um, you know, we would do a same-sex match. We don't want men volunteering with girls. Certainly not. Although, you know, some of our volunteers will sit down with boys because there's never enough men to work with boys. So um, that would be a youth thing. Um, Or become involved in our um, ESL program. Mm -hmm. We're not sure what that's going to look like in the fall. Um, We, In the past, we've had all of our classes taught by volunteers, but that won't be the case anymore. But we mu- we probably will have some of them still taught by volunteers. Um, but one of our big needs there right now is that some of our um, our students, I guess, um, they have never learned to read or write 
in any language. So, so they're in class with people who already like, especially if they're in a beginning level class with Hispanics who maybe don't know English, but they know Spanish. And it's so, you know, they're going to take off way faster than our, um, our people who don't, you know, know the alphabet. And so having someone who's going to come in and, and sit and do a one-on-one for one hour with some of those students Mm-hmm. Um, one-on-one or one-on-two is priceless. And so that kind of um, kind of tutoring um, and, and I think our, our teachers are working to figure out how they can not just say, oh, go work with this person, but, you know, make plans for how to, mm-hmm. how to do that well. And um, so that, those would be the, um, the key ways that we could use volunteers right now. And do you have an age limit for volunteers? Yeah, we um, kind of, I mean, if if someone, so 16 is the age. Um, If someone came with a parent in a special, you know, we might make an exception, but but they really have to be at least 16. Mm-hmm. So what's the first step if somebody wanted to be yeah. here? So they can reach out to us through our website. It's um, flcatb5.org. And um, FLC would be for Family Learning Center. It's at B5. But mm-hmm. if I don't spell AT, people want to put an at sign in it. Right. That's not it. So, um, um, so you can, there's a volunteer page that you can um, sign up through and yeah, that would be the easiest way. Can you give us the address of, well, yeah. we know you're B5 yeah. and we kind of know the general <laughs> area, but like, yeah, where are you? You're, I know you're in it Kennewick. Is, so we're in Central Park Apartments, but it's 505 South Olympia Street, apartment B5. That's our mailing address. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you so much. I have one question to kind of wrap it up. I would love to hear about one thing that is bringing you joy right now. So I, you know, if it's ministry related, whatever it is, is children bring me joy, right? Um, So I will say two things. I can't say one because I can't say, (laughs) um, I can't say work with that. I mean, you know, my granddaughters, they're they're one and almost three. They bring me a lot of joy. Oh, I um, it. <laughs> yeah, total. And but but related to that, that just the joy of of um, experiencing life. And so our soccer camp is really giving me a lot of joy too, because that's I see people experiencing life together. And sometimes it, you know, sometimes it's a little frustrating, but but really watching those little kids and especially when you can see young children, um, maybe it's only for that one and a half hours where they're mixing it up and, 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 you know, you see this Karen kid and this, this Syrian kid and they're being friends together for that one hour. I didn't have that when I was young, you know, and those are the kind of relationships that we hope will destroy some of the prejudices that, that, are alive in our world and um, in how we can both bring our whole selves to that place. And, and, and that's the beauty of, you know, I don't, I, I've never shied away from 
you know, letting people know that I'm a Christian and I tell, you know, well, this is what Christians believe and that, you know, it's an opportunity for us to, to show what a true Christian is because they come thinking with an idea of that they've learned from American TV and American movies. And it's not the idea that I really want communicated no. <laughs> to people. So, um, so anyway, but yeah, my soccer camp brings me joy and so do my grandbabies. But thank, I love that question. That's such a beautiful way to end because yeah, anyway, we have to live in joy because that's who God is, right? God gives us joy. Well, it was a pleasure meeting you and visiting with you and learning more about what you're doing there. I love it. It's beautiful. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of these stories that help us connect with each other right here in the Tri-Cities.